0: Trucking, got my chips cashed in Keep trucking, life to do the man Together, No less in line Just keep trucking on
1: Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 239 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a review of the Justice Department's new Chief Compliance Officer uh, compliance certification. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Coming to you, continuing from uh, sunny Sicily, uh, near 100 degrees today. But uh, still a beautiful time uh, in Sicily, uh, just having a wonderful uh, work life here and balancing with family and other uh, important events. So um, I thought I'd turn to the certification requirements for uh, chief compliance officers. It's uh, continuing to sort of generate some controversy, and I thought. Let's dig into it a little bit more and sort of look at the issue um, from, uh, you know, all the vantage points here, all the relevant vantage points. So before we get started, uh, how about a message from our new sponsor, uh, Diligent.
0: Diligent is the time-tested, award-winning provider of automated governance, risk, and compliance solutions. For over 20 years, Diligent has helped boards and C-suites to design and implement effective governance practices through its market-leading board application. Diligent has now expanded its offerings to include risk, compliance, and audit solutions. Building on these new and exciting capabilities, Diligent now offers the critical capability to connect boards, C-suite, risk, compliance, and audit teams to promote purpose-driven leadership. Building on this capability, Diligent provides a full suite of complementary services, including risk management, ethics and compliance, environmental, social, and governance, and proactive auditing strategies and practices. Diligent solutions enable companies to implement robust corporate governance to mitigate and manage risk, create a culture of ethics and compliance, ensure that company controls are audit-ready, and implement tailored and responsive ESG solutions. If interested in exploring Diligent's unique complement of solutions, please reach out to Diligent at its website, www.diligent.com.
1: Well, the uh, Glencore FCPA settlement uh, was sort of the first uh, DOJ settlement to reflect some of its new white-collar prosecution uh, policies. And most importantly, uh, it had been sort of reported uh, and through statements, DOJ had also talked about the uh, desire to impose a certification requirement for chief compliance officers and CEOs um, as part of a resolution uh, and usually involving an independent compliance monitor And at the end of the term of the independent compliance monitor, there would be a certification requirement. I think that the certification requirement is gonna be expanded beyond just the independent compliance monitor scenario. But the new uh, requirement uh, DOJ has explained is designed to empower CCOs and to ensure that CCOs have a, quote, seat at the senior management table, close quote. Uh, While these are all great and laudable goals, CCOs have continued to question whether DOJ's new certification requirement will have the unintended effect of undermining their authority by opening CCOs to internal pressure uh, to execute the certification despite concerns about the status of a company's compliance program. So let's, you know, look there. There are a general set of concerns, but the mechanics of the secur- certification form itself raises potential criminal liability for chief compliance officers under 18 uh, United States Code, Section 1001, uh, often used uh, provision for false statements, and 18 U.S.C. Section 1519 for obstruction of justice. While the certification form does include aggressive provisions that will facilitate potential criminal prosecution of CCOs for a false representation under these two statutes, uh, DOJ has suggested in some uh, public responses that it will exercise prosecutorial discretion to ensure that any prosecution of a CCO rests on findings of a serious or allegations of serious misconduct. Um, so let's take a look, though, even at the language of the certification requirement, which is contained in attachment H to the plea agreement uh, by Glencore. And this requires the CEO and CCO to certify that they are, quote, and I'm going to go through a pretty long quote here, but I, and I'll stop to highlight certain language, that they are aware of the company's compliance obligations under Uh, the plea agreement, and that based on their review, respectively, and understanding of the company's anti-corruption compliance program, the company has implemented an anti-corruption compliance program that meets the requirements set forth in attachment C to the plea agreement. Now, attachment C is a... Uh, regularly used resolution document that outlines the minimum requirements for an acceptable ethics and compliance program. And the next sentence uh, is really the critical one where they say the CEO and CCO hereby certify that such anti-corruption compliance program, and this is important language here, is reasonably designed Reasonably designed, which gives them a little bit of fudge room uh, that they're not saying it is a fec- an effective compliance program, but reasonably designed to detect and prevent violations of the FCPA and other anti corruption law, uh, laws. Um, and this, and then after that, are uh, certification. There's language that's such that it says, This constitutes a material statement and representation by each individual uh, for the benefit of the company to the executive branch of the United States for purposes of 18 U.S.C. 1001 false statements. And that such material statement and representation uh, will also uh, constitute a record document or tangible object under 18 U.S.C. 1519 uh and uh, those two findings and agreements uh are definitely uh you know increase the risk uh, and facilitate the uh, prosecutor's uh, ability to prosecute uh, a cco or a ceo for a false representation Um, the certification itself the form incorporates as i mentioned uh two paragraphs of the plea agreement along with the attachment C to the plea agreement. And I mentioned what that is. Uh, And paragraph nine requires uh, the company to implement a compliance and ethics program that at a minimum meets the standards of attachment C. So under paragraphs nine and 10 of the plea agreement, the company is required to A, design a program, quote, to prevent and detect violations of the FCPA, including those of its affiliates, agents, third parties, joint venture partners, and contractors and subcontractors, who interact with foreign officials on behalf of the company. So they do include the interaction requirement, which obviously is a legal requirement, and I continue to emphasize in my writing and podcasts. Uh, B, also to review its accounting controls, policies and procedures, uh, and to ensure that the company maintains an effective system of internal accounting controls and a, quote, rigorous anti-corruption compliance program, close quote designed to, quote, effectively detect and deter violations of the FCPA and other anti-corruption laws. So the language that I mentioned there in the A and B is a little bit more stringent than the FCPA itself. For example, uh, the term of a rigorous anti-corruption program, an effective system of internal accounting controls that are in under the FCPA language itself of the statute uh, are reasonably detailed and uh, you know there's a reasonableness kind of uh, requirement. Um, but this language in the certification itself is more, or, uh, more stringent uh, than the FCPA itself and not the certification, the language of uh, the plea agreement. And that is not surprising. And frankly, prosecutors as part of plea agreements will often include provisions that are more stringent than the law itself as a way to remediate a particular situation. Uh, And so they often will impose compliance requirements and standards that may exceed the requirements of the law itself. And in the case of Glencore, given the systemic and pervasive nature of its FCPA violations, DOJ was more than justified to impose these types of requirements. But my point is only that this language gets incorporated into the certification itself, which we'll talk about some more. And I wanted to take a moment just to go through what is called uh, the Attachment C requirements. And um, uh, while companies have to be focused, Uh, right now on design and implementation of effective ethics and compliance programs um, that includes a specific anti-corruption compliance program. Companies, I think, should be mindful of DOJ's expectations uh, with regard to compliance programs. And now this goes back to three significant compliance documents that DOJ has released One is the DOJ Evaluation of a Corporate Compliance Program. Initial edition was released in April, 2019 and a revised edition in June, 2020, as well as the DOJ Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs in Criminal Antitrust Investigations issued in July, 2019. And uh, one of my favorites, the Resource Guide to the US Foreign Corrupt Practices Act in November, 2012, initially released and revised July 2020. In the last 20 years, though, DOJ has also revised its form, Attachment C, on several occasions to incorporate new and innovative compliance program expectations. With the new certification requirement now, Attachment C is specifically incorporated into the applicable standard for CEO and CCO certification. So what's in Attachment C. Well, right now, it consists of the following key elements, Uh, and none of these are surprising. None of these are beyond what we would normally expect, Uh, but nonetheless, again, these are minimum requirements for a compliance program and a certification. So we have one, high-level commitment, which requires directors and senior management to provide strong, explicit, and visible support and commitment to its compliance program. Policies and procedures, second, adoption of written anti-corruption compliance policies and procedures, appropriate measures to make sure people know about it and follow these policies and procedures, including outside parties, third parties who act on behalf of the company, and specific adoption of policies and procedures addressing gifts, hospitality, entertainment and expenses, customer travel, political contributions, charitable donations, sponsorships, facilitation payments, and extortion and solicitation. And the companies are required to maintain a system of financial and accounting procedures, including internal controls, quote, reasonably designed, close quote, to ensure the maintenance of fair and accurate books, records, and accounts in accordance with the standards that are part of the FCPA language itself, the statutory language. So those are the first two. Third, we have periodic risk-based review requirements and that the company will conduct periodic risk assessments, including issues like uh, interactions with government officials, the sectors of operation, joint ventures, importance of licenses and permits from the government, degree of government oversight and inspection and volume and importance of goods and personnel clearing through customs and immigration. Fourth, we look at proper oversight and independence responsibility for implementation and oversight of the company's anti-corruption compliance program, just like in the sentencing guidelines should be assigned to one or more senior corporate executives. Uh, And the CCO shall report to independent monitoring bodies and shall have an adequate level of autonomy from management as well as sufficient resources and authority. Next, we have training and guidance. The company has to implement periodic training for directors, officers, employees, and where appropriate third parties, certifications and attestations, and an effective system for providing guidance when people uh, have questions. Internal reporting and investigation, the company has to maintain an effective system for internal confidential reporting concerning violations of intercorruption laws and or the code of conduct and for responding to investigating and documenting such violations. Enforcement and discipline, the company has to implement mechanisms to enforce its code of conduct and compliance uh, policies and they shall implement fair and consistent disciplinary procedures, third-party relationships that the company has to institute a risk-based due diligence and compliance requirements pertaining to retention and oversight of all agents and business partners, a merger and acquisition policy for due diligence and periodic monitoring and testing uh, of its code of conduct and compliance policies and procedures. While these are pretty straightforward, remember the overall weight of the elements together has to be considered when a CCO is presented with a requirement for certification. So let's take a look at the risk here for CCOs. CCOs by definition are careful, they're deliberate, and it comes with the territory of uh, being a CCO. And as risk managers, they're skilled in identifying, assessing, and acting in a risk environment. The new CCO certification requirement, however, presents serious risks that can't be brushed off or ignored in the face of assurances that prosecutorial discretion will protect CCOs from misguided prosecution. Frankly, CCOs recognize that there's too much at stake, including their careers and their liberty interest in this certification process. But DOJ's new requirement was designed and it's been rolled out in good faith in in an attempt to bolster the standing of CCOs in the corporate governance landscape. To address uh, the potential negative reaction to the certification requirement, DOJ included an important provision in its Glencore FCPA plea agreement. As set out by DOJ, a CEO and CCO would be required to execute the form 30 days prior to the end of the independent compliance monitors term, which in the case of Glencore is a three-year term. Paragraph 10 of the plea agreement sets out the following important language. Quote, where necessary and appropriate, the defendant will adopt new, or modify, uh, adopt new or modify existing internal controls, compliance policies, and procedures in order to ensure that the defendant maintains, A, an effective system of internal accounting controls, B, a rigorous anti-corruption compliance program, Uh, And the compliance program, including the internal accounting control system, will include, but not be limited to, the minimum elements set forth in attachment C. But here's the language that I'm talking about that was included. It says the officers, and there was a typo, they were missing an R in there. The officers, in their sole discretion, may consider the monitor's certification decision in assessing the defendant's compliance program and the state of its internal accounting controls. So in other words, at the end of the term, they could rely and take the final report that is prepared by the independent compliance monitor and rely upon that. So it contemplates that they can consider that and even rely on it in reaching their own determination as to the state of the company's compliance program. Another significant consideration that mitigates against the risk is the language of the CEO and CCO certification itself, which I pointed out earlier, which stated that, the, that uh, the certificate, they are certifying that such anti-corruption compliance program is reasonably designed, and that language uh, gives them some room for discretion, uh, to detect and prevent violations of the FCPA. In effect, CEOs and CEOs can rely on the independent compliance monitor certification and the limitation on its certification that the compliance program is reasonably designed to detect and prevent violations of the FCPA. Even with these positive mitigation factors, however, CEOs and CCOs will need to design and implement an appropriate procedure to document their respective due diligence review and analysis of the company's compliance program. This consideration at first glance appears to be straightforward, but could quickly unravel into difficult issues. For example, a CCO should be able to rely on and document any internal and external reports, assessments and reviews of the company's compliance program conducted as part of the remediation effort. DOJ clearly contemplates that a company's compliance program over a three-year monitorship period will undergo significant change and improvement. By definition, a CCO will be intimately involved in this process. So the CCO should not only have the ability to rely on the independent compliance monitor's final report, but on reports, assessments and reviews that occur during that three year period. And that may require a personal review and evaluation to justify such reliance. And here's where we get into a little bit more interesting issues. What's the amount of diligence or how much work does the CCO have to document about their examination of a specific report before they determine that they're going to rely on it. In this situation, a CCO may have to devote and document follow-ups to specific issues flagged in the report, assessment and review, and they will inevitably face difficult situation where reliance on a report may not be completely justifiable. A further complication may arise when a company subjects its compliance program to a robust testing and evaluation by an outside party, and then in these circumstances, the independent test of an enhanced compliance program may require a CCO to review the test results carefully with a questioning eye. This process may in turn delay the CCO's certification or raise further issues requiring analysis and review, and possibly remediation. So the risks presented by even these basic and obvious situations are even more troublesome given the legal risks posed by the acknowledgement that a false certification would constitute a violation of the false statements and obstruction of justice, criminal statutes. Um, and a CCO may be setting him or herself up for a criminal prosecution where the issue may not rise to a criminal violation. CCOs, I think, have enough problems in the corporate governance world, and on balance, it's difficult to maintain that the certification requirement is a net plus for CCO stature in the corporate governance landscape. But uh, I fully expect there's going to be more discussion between the CCO community and DOJ. We may see tweaks of the program uh, because DOJ has to maintain its alliance in the corporate world with the CCO, and DOJ has to avoid any negative impact on such a critical ally. Well, thanks, everybody. That was just a quick review uh, of an interesting and fascinating issue, and we'll hear more about that. Uh, all the best to everybody, and uh, arrivederci, and we'll see you soon uh, and next week. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. New Orleans, New means. Just won't let you be. Most of the cats that you meet on the streets speak of true love. Most of the time they're sitting and crying at home One of these days, they know they gotta get going Out of the door and down to the street all alone Chugging like the dude I man Once told me you got to pay your hand Sometimes the cards ain't worth a dime If you don't lay up down we Never became a sweet jane? She lost her sparkle, you know she isn't the same. Living on reds, vitamin C, and cocaine. All a friend can say is, ain't it a shame. Cooking, up the buffalo, I've been thinking, you got to mellow slow. It takes time to pick a place to go, and just keep trucking on. Oh. Yeah. Down on Bourbon Street, sit up like a pole in bed. down, it gets to wearing pin It just won't let you be. You're sick of hanging around, and you like a travel.